are listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring. My name is Jeff White, and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, Jeff. And you? I'm doing very well. I, uh, I was going to say that was, this is going to be the one time that I was trying to try not to mention how your voice is getting better at the intro or whatever. Right. But then it had really good ramp up it was, uh, it was today. So it's, I think I, I, that when I overheard you in the washroom earlier practicing, clearly it, uh, it's paying <laughs> it's off. It's paying off. Yeah. No, the, vo- the vocal coach dollars are really, really worth it. Yeah. It's yeah. going to take the podcast over the top. <laughs> um, if this doesn't Next get level. us into the top 100, uh, internationally i don't know what will yeah well i know my mom is enjoying the podcast indeed so. indeed yeah. well look uh i hope your mom and all other listeners enjoy our next guest because i'm really really excited to have her on the show um so why don't we just jump right into it sure so uh joining us today is kelly deputer from gnw electric kelly is the global marketing manager there welcome to the cooler ring kelly thank you Kelly, um, why don't we get underway with just a bit of an introduction to G&W and your role there? Sure. So G&W is an organization that's been around for quite some time. They actually started in 1905, and they're a company that manufactures electrical equipment from uh, switchgear to equipment that goes up on the pole and uh, cable accessories. And also, um, we also provide distribution automation equipment um, and software programs to help with reliability programs for the distribution grid. So I joined GNW in October of 2017. So about a year and a half or a little over a year and a half, I joined the company. Very cool. So that's uh, long enough to uh, have very much get your feet wet, but uh, you know, short enough that you can still have a bit of an outsider's view, probably, in an organization that's uh, been around that long. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I was just wondering, where did you uh, come from before uh, G&W? Uh, so before G&W, I've had a variety of different roles um, in marketing and communications uh, in industries such as retail Uh, distribution or electrical distribution. And then there was a longer uh, job that I held with an organization called Kone, which is a Finnish-based company who manufactures elevators and escalators. And I worked for them for nearly 10 years uh, and and led the marketing department for the North American market. So that's a, um, must have been very interesting. I mean, Often, it's funny, I've, I've chatted with a lot of manufacturing marketers who uh, work within uh, the American apparatus of a German-owned parent, but uh, the Finnish parent is actually uh, yeah. uh, probably a duck of a different sort in a way. Um, did, you, did you find the um, uh, marketing approach to be uh, fairly progressive at Kone uh, compared to what you've uh, perhaps experienced elsewhere? Yeah, I would say I definitely did. Um, The organization, well, the company Kone had purchased a local company here that was based in Illinois, actually in Moline, Illinois, called Montgomery Elevator. And that was my hometown. So that's how I, 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 you know, got in with Kone. Um, I was living in that area at the time. And uh, so it was fairly new in the, you know, acquisition of Kone purchasing Montgomery when I had joined the organization. So the Finnish, uh, Finnish mindset around marketing and communications and even just product development hasn't, hadn't yet 
really take taken over here locally in the U.S. market. And so when I joined Kone, there was still a lot of the, I would call it maybe old school thought process on, on the marketing function, and which was great because it gave me a big opportunity to expand and transform that whole department and really look at all the different parts of marketing. And knowing that I was working with a Finnish-based company and they were very progressive and very uh, innovative and creative, there, there was a lot of support in growing that function within the, the North American market. This must have been an, an exciting time. Um, and I'm going to really be interested to see how that experience has translated into your new role at GNW and the change agenda that's afoot there. So you've really come into GNW with a, with a change mission and mindset uh, I, I, from what I've seen. And I'd like you to take us through that a bit and and perhaps let our listeners uh, understand a bit more about kind of what components make up that agenda. Sure. Yes. So I would agree that um, the experience that I had with Kone was was a wonderful experience and really allowed me to explore all the different aspects of marketing and communications and understanding how it can really grow an organization and so having those, you know, that decade of experience with them, I, I actually had a, another position or another job in between that and um, GNW, which was with an electrical distributor that was a regional company. And the, when I was brought into that organization as well, it was for the same purpose as to why I'm here at GNW. And it was really to grow and transform the marketing function within the organization. So when I had mentioned about uh, the situation for Kone, it was kind of similar where here at GNW, the understanding of what the marketing function is was really focused on a lot of traditional methods, meaning focused on putting together collateral and brochures and then also um, putting together promotional items and, and attending trade shows. And that was a good chunk of the focus. And so me coming in, I have a broader view of all of the other types of activities that you can bring in different channels that you can utilize from a marketing perspective and a communications perspective. One, um, you know, which everyone is familiar with today, which would be the digital area that at GNW, we were, we were quite stagnant and, and I would almost say a little stale in making sure that we were staying in front of our competition, that we were building our our site so that it was up to today's uh, navigation, look and feel, it was engaging, providing good content. So that's one of the major areas that we have a strong focus on right now. Um, and when I had joined the organization in 2017, within my first three months there, uh, I had put together my you know, five-year vision and strategy for the department and presented that to the owner of the company. Uh, uh, what sort of uh, organization were you coming into from a marketing perspective? Were there a number of people in the department at that time or were you kind of coming in and expected to build it from the ground up? Uh, I was expected to build it from the ground up. At the time I had came in, there was only one individual who was on the team at that time. And that individual was uh, just a few years out of college and so didn't have a lot of, um, you know, strong experience yet. So it was definitely an opportunity to start to build the team and really grow and develop it to support that vision. 
and that vision is really one of uh, of of redefining in some way what the organization thinks of when they say the word marketing, even um, in combination with really a redirection of the um, tactical effort towards um, the more digital side of the house. Have I summarized that well? Uh, yeah, um, definitely. Digital is is a part of it, and there's you know it's just as I was mentioning there, it's much broader focus and really looking at other ways that the marketing department should be supporting also other parts of the business from product development um, to the sales organization and making those connections between those teams, which didn't really, um, wasn't in existence when I had joined. So I'm assuming when we're talking about uh, the uh, how marketing can serve product development, uh, some of that at least must be uh, partly a voice of the customer research or what have you. Yes, exactly. And uh, so we have been spending a lot of time this year working through our new product development um, process and the stage gate process and looking at different ways that marketing can support, you know, determining what um, feasibility of a new product would be out in the marketplace. What's the market potential? What's the voice of the customer? What are they saying? What are their unmet needs? Uh, looking at different geographies and understanding where this particular product might be a good fit and really just trying to determine where the opportunity is for us to grow. And I can appreciate that that's fairly early on so far, but at the same time, uh, you know, have there been any kind of early adjustments or wins that have come out of that uh, VOC work in, com in combination with product development? Um, we are in, as you said, the early stages. Um, a lot of the products that we have in, develop right, in development right now, uh, where, where we're taking these new processes and utilizing them, um, you know, internally we're seeing success uh, and people are starting to see the information that we're gathering and seeing how it does have an impact on how we want to go to market. And it's, you know, really helping people to understand how it ties to sales forecasting and the success of, a, of the launch of a product and, you know, seeing how it can grow, you know, after you've done your launch for the next five, 10 years or so. So it's, I wouldn't necessarily say that's been anything externally as a success, but definitely internally, I'm seeing a lot of, uh, you know, support and eye opening of our team members and people really understanding what we're trying to do. You mentioned uh, uh, sales uh, forecasting there, and, and part of what you've been doing is the implementation of Salesforce and, and getting a CRM up and running. How has that process been going and how is it uh, being accepted uh, by, the, by the sales organization? Yes, yeah, so we are in the very early stages of that project. Um, we have had Salesforce as a CRM platform for a couple of years now. And so even before I joined, we actually had the platform. We just had not yet really rolled it out to the full extent that our entire Salesforce was utilizing it. And so that's really what our next phase is for this project. It's really um, to utilize the platform for what it is and for it to be able to be a good um, you know, tool for us from automating a lot of our processes that we do, providing visibility for all of the people who are participants in a project or a bid or have a relationship with our certain customers and accounts. 
uh, right now, you know, it's it's one of those that we're looking for us to be able to not utilize as many um, different platforms and different types of software programs and actually have everything all in one place so we have better visibility and we can collaborate better and we can be more efficient with our processes. So when you asked about how it's being um, accepted, I would say at this point, I can't necessarily answer that from a sales perspective because it's really just been me sharing with our sales organization that it's coming and trying to you know, build it up with them before we start to actually get them utilizing it, doing a lot of training. And really the training is going to be the biggest key when we do our rollout. And so we have a strong uh, focus on that at the end of the year so that when we start off in 2020, we have a solid training program in place with our sales organization so that we can support them. We do have some of our rep agencies who already today use CRM systems at their own companies. Some of them use Salesforce. And so we do have uh, you know, part of our, our organization who is eager for us to start this and implement it, which is great. Kelly, I love the picture that you're painting here because it, um, I think it shows truly the complexity of a digital transformation as it's kind of underway. I mean, we're talking about adjustments to the sales organization, change management that needs to happen as part of that, of course, uh, as well as the technology uh, through to uh, voice of the customer work as well as a new site as well, well as and product development exactly. like how this all impacts what's actually being sold i mean that yeah. at the end of the day <laughs> so you've had a full plate yeah uh, but i get a kind of sense that you've made it even more full because you've also looked at the g&w brand more broadly haven't you yes uh we Right before I had joined, the company actually invested in doing a brand study, which was fantastic. I was really excited that um, you know they had taken that action and gathered that information. And it was very educational for me. Um, when I joined the company, it wasn't that I necessarily was familiar with GNW, but I was not, I, I felt that, you know, through my interviewing process and meeting the folks that I met with, that the company had a strong uh, presence and a strong brand. And when I had read through the the study that they had done, it, there was definitely some things in there that, you know, were kind of red flags for me that really made me realize that there was a lot of opportunity here. And, you know, GNW does have a strong presence in certain markets, such as with the domestic or U.S. utilities. But there's a lot of other opportunity for growth out there with uh, the commercial and industrial markets. And, uh, you know, looking at renewables and, um, you know, wind and solar and a lot of other opportunities out there that we don't necessarily have the strongest brand presence. And especially from an international perspective, we have coverage with sales across the globe, but at the same time, our, our presence out there from a brand perspective is, is not the most strong situation to be in. And so those were things that I had realized and saw through that study that we had a huge opportunity. And I had looked at just some simple things about our branding where, you know, we use G&W, which if I don't know if you've ever seen or noticed, but there's a lot of G&W companies that exist globally. And so there really isn't, you know, without any kind of simple descriptor, nobody really knows what you do. And so we recently changed our logo. Um, we've kept the G&W, but we've added electric 
after the name just to help us differentiate ourselves from the thousands of G&W companies that exist out there today. So we've, we've made some simple changes, but even when you do simple changes like that, just trying to make the internal changes, they're much bigger. The Cooler Ring is proud to be a media sponsor of the 2019 Manufacture Ed Summit Conference, which is being held September 16th to 18th in Chicago, Illinois. Carver and I will be live on site recording interviews for future episodes of The Cooler Ring. You can save $200 now with the discount code COOLERPARTNERS200 at ManufactureEdSummit.com. That's ManufactureEdSummit.com. I'm just trying to think, and you said, uh, I think, 1905, so if my math is correct, that's a 114-year-old company. Right. Um, I guess, but is it a surprise to the leadership that they maybe weren't as well known? It was. Uh, you know, I had actually, when I gave my presentation to to my boss and, my owner, and to the owner of the company uh, in December of 2017 with my vision, part of the support for why I had the vision that I was presenting was around the results of this brand survey. And they had seen the results um, even prior to me coming in and talking to them. And so they were aware and it was definitely eye-opening for them. Um, you know, the one challenge we, I, I don't know if I would say it's a challenge, it's actually a positive. I mean, our company is significantly growing. And so we're not in a, we're not really struggling but at the same time, we still want to grow in other markets outside of the, the IOU or the utility market, and we need to have a consistent brand. And our brand has not been, has not been consistent. I, I showed, you know, when I was doing my studies and trying to do more research around our brand, I could find a minimum, you know, seven different logos that were being used all over the world and were not consistent. And so that was one of the other big changes was if we're if we are really serious and trying to grow as a global organization, then we need to be one global company with one global brand. And so for the last year and a half, I've been pitching that and trying to educate our leadership on why that's important. And then earlier this year, um, the approval came through that, yes, you know, the leadership team was in agreement and supports it. And so now we're able to move forward with with really implementing that one global brand. And as part of that, of course, uh, getting to an enhanced level of visual consistency is uh, is is uh, pretty low hanging fruit when you've got that many logos kicking around. Mm -hmm. um, is your brand work moving beyond that as well to look at how the brand's actually positioned and revising the messaging and how it's talked about? Uh, Yes. Yep. Actually, one of the first things that we started was really around our value proposition uh, in the marketplace. It really wasn't the, the visual side of it. Um, so we last year for pretty much all of 2018, that was a lot of the work that I was doing with in regards to the brand and working with our owner and our leadership team to refine what our value proposition is out in the marketplace and how do we want to position ourselves and differentiate from our competition. And now uh, 2018 was really one of the first time what uh, was the first time where we were able to start to implement those key messages and, you know, pillars of our value proposition out in our marketing activities, you know, with our 
our graphics in our online or social media and all the different channels that we're utilizing to have that consistent message that's positioning us as a differentiator in the marketplace. And I'm assuming that the, um, I mean, this would impact how the sales organization speaks of the firm. Um, have they, how, how receptive have they been to, have they been able to, to get any kind of customer feedback from the, uh, from, from that shift thus far? So I haven't heard any specific customer feedback. I can say that the sales organization has been very supportive. Uh, a lot of the work that um, I'm a firm believer of having a strong, close relationship with the sales organization, because obviously marketing is is a support function for sales, but also we can help drive sales and we can complement the work that they're doing out in the field. And so, to, you know, when we're making changes in the organization, if it's CRM, if it's the website, if it's, you know, changing the brand or adjusting it and creating a value proposition, I believe that you're going to be more successful if you engage the sales organization and get their input and feedback. And so they were a big part of, of this work that we're doing and, and providing their guidance in how they thought that we were positioned out in the marketplace and how we could differentiate. So it was a good collaborative effort between the groups. Uh, so they've been very supportive and they are very excited. It's been a lot of positive feedback around what they're seeing, um, you know, with presentations that they're giving to their customers. We've revamped all of uh, the templates and the formats and even the messaging in there to support what our value proposition is and how we want to position ourselves with the customer. And they've been very pleased with what they've seen. Can you give us a sense of how the value prop has actually shifted or how you've changed how you talk about it? Well, it's very, it's kind of interesting because with, you know, how I've mentioned that we have a strong utility base customer and we are looking to really grow in the commercial and industrial side of it, which is a completely different customer segment. Um, and they, they have different needs. They manage their projects very differently. Their budgets are very different. How they get their funding is very different. And so we really needed to spend time understanding how do we create this one value proposition that's going to speak to all of these different types of customer types. And this is a lot of the work that we're trying to do on the website right now as well is make the the experience for the customer when they get there relatable to them. We don't want a non-utility customer coming to the site and feeling like, oh, this is just built for a utility and isn't really addressing what my needs are. So we're spending a lot of time trying to create that environment and that experience that supports all of the different types of customers. And so, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to ask and uh, kind of leveraging off your, uh, your comments about the website and what your intentions are for the, you know, in terms of people self-identifying as they arrive there. One of the things that we've we talked about beforehand was how you're also looking to implement marketing automation. And what, what are your plans in terms of utilizing tools like that in order to be able to speak differently to different types of customer personas? Yes. So we, we also, as part of our um, program this year, have added on marketing automation as a new platform. Uh, which we're very excited about utilizing. And it definitely has functionality around it that will help us 
see the activity and the traffic and you know what are, what are our customers doing when they're on the site what are their behaviors and which will help us drive business for our sales organization before they even know that this customer might even exist so i think for me that's one of the most exciting parts about it because i want to transform this marketing department into a driver of sales and the website's going to be a major tool to help us do that along with the marketing automation very cool. Um, you mentioned there that you're, uh, you know, you've been growing the marketing team as as a result of this push to uh, to digitally transform or transform GNW. What uh, what does the team complement look like now? Yes. So I had mentioned that when I joined, I had um, one individual on the team, and so since I joined, I have um, added two new individuals um, to the team. And then there was a, uh, another individual who was, has worked for the company for 10 years and she's a market analyst. And so she is the one who supports us in our market research and the voice of the customer. And so I was able to, um, we made a shift and added her onto my team as well. And that's been an absolutely great addition to the whole uh, marketing department. So we are a team of five, yes right now. And I'd be curious, Kelly, in your, because you, as you've pulled together this five-year transformation plan, where, where do you see that going? Are you, are you seeing it really scaling up an internal team? Are you seeing a hybrid model where you stay pretty lean and lean on outside partners more frequently? What's that looking like? Um, so I envision that the team will probably still stay somewhat lean and there are, I'm a believer that there's benefit in having a good mix between your internal, um, your internal skill set and expertise and also utilizing outside expertise. So I like to have a balance. There are certain roles though that I feel are more important to have inside, like a digital um, you know, marketing manager, some, some form of a, a digital uh, responsible person on the team. And so that is definitely an area where we have for growth. And then, you know, the other area is to expand hopefully someday globally so that we have local support who understands the local markets and can work with local vendors and local agencies and support us from that perspective versus us, you know, working really hard and um, trying to, to support our international needs from Illinois. Understood. Fair enough. I mean, do, do you see specific countries where that that is uh, really needed compared to others, perhaps? Well, we have, you know, we have manufacturing facilities in Shanghai, um, Mexico, Canada, and then here in the U.S. And I think that the logical, you know, first step would be to, if we were to add somebody, it would be where we have an office or, you know, um, we have some setting of a, a corporate setting. So, you know, Shanghai would be a potential to support our Asia Pacific area. Um, we do have a sales office in India as well. Um, and then, you know, our, our Latin America and Mexico is another um, key area. Canada and U.S. have a lot of similarities within the products and also the customer base, our sales organization. Um, and so that one, I think, is, is a much uh, simpler and easier uh, you know, area for us to cover from, from the U S 
that makes total sense. Although I must say, as a Canadian, I feel like I have to do my country a bit of a service here and just encourage you to expand that role in Canada. Well, for sure, yeah. if for nothing else, so that you say niche instead of niche when yeah. you're up here. Yeah. Well, and adding yeah. one additional job in Canada, given the size of our country, like doubles our uh, employment rate. <laughs> Right, right. Yes, and I, I respect I respect that comment. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kelly, I wonder uh, if you could give us a glimpse of if we're looking around the corner uh, as to what's next on this five-year journey. I know you have an awful lot on your plate right now, and I'm curious what else is going to come onto that plate in the next little while. Yeah, so... Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, one of the big goals for this whole transformation is really to create marketing as a function of um, driving sales. And so I really want to continue building up our presence digitally and taking advantage as much as we can of the, the marketing automation um, and utilizing that to support campaigns that generate leads that hopefully turn into sales. Um, we're just now starting with a couple of campaigns uh, this year. We just kicked one off for fire mitigation for the West Coast and areas that, you know, struggle with um, with uh, ignition, electrical ignition and causing wildfires. And so this is pretty exciting for GNW because this was a, a first campaign that actually is encompassing, a, it's a multifaceted campaign and it's using multiple channels and that's not something that we've traditionally done here. So people are very excited about it and we're kicking off another one later this week um, on a specific product that's in a new market that we have not uh, really played in before. Um, it's in the low voltage market. And so we're going to be doing a brand awareness campaign. So I would like to see us developing more of that to help us um, become that driver of sales. Some of the other areas I uh, would say really is still continuing and pushing to grow internationally. And then I would really like to look at building some educational programs where we are supporting our customers. We do a lot of presentations and educate our customers, but I'd like us to create, um, you know, more of a continuing education program where we're providing them with those credits and things like that. I like that the, you know, the the goalposts for this are, are largely around sales and performance of campaigns. And, and I wonder, uh, are you the one setting the KPIs for where you hope these things go? Or is that coming from the management and, and ownership? Um, no, it's it's coming from me. Um, and really, it's, you know, based off of just past experience and knowing what's successful, what's not successful. But I also feel that depending, you know, each company can be different, their markets can be different, their customers can be different. And so your KPIs may have to adjust. So it's always kind of a learning curve. Of course. I wonder, I mean, we're uh, 18 months into the gig or what have you. Um you know, that's uh, long enough to maybe uh, have a few uh, battle scars along the way. Uh, would you give yourself any advice uh, if you were starting that uh, role again? Something that you know now that you wish you knew then? Um, that's an interesting question. And, you know, I think for GNW, I'm going to kind of turn this on a, in a different way because GNW, when I interviewed with you know, six, I think it was six different people in one day. It's a, it's a long, long day of interviewing here at GNW. And, you know, I wanted to really understand the culture and I wanted to understand how the organization 
operated and what their view was on um, the employees and work-life balance, because I've worked for some other organizations that were a little bit more toxic and I really didn't want to fall back into that situation. So it was extremely important for me to find a place that, that I could feel comfortable and feel supported and really want to grow and stay. And everyone was extremely positive and didn't have anything negative to say. And, you know, at first I'm kind of like, okay, you know, that's normal. People don't want to, you know, scare you in an interview process. But I can tell you 18 months later, the, everything they said is true. And this organization is led by a very amazing owner. Um, he has a unique ability to have a great personality, but be business savvy, um, very customer and employee focused. And so that bleeds down and into the whole organization and everyone is just very supportive and very friendly. And I, I've never been in an organization where I have had as much support with as much change that we're trying to implement in this, in this organization. I think that's really instructive to marketers who are looking at taking on a new role and kind of surveying their options and, and uh, because it, 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 you have to have the environment that enables you to perform. It's not, it's not just whether or not you know what to do and you have the wherewithal to, uh, to see it through, but is the, you know, is the, is the, is the, like you said, is the culture, is the environment, is it, is it there to support what you're looking to accomplish or is it something that will work against you? So I think um, it, it's, maybe not, uh, it's maybe not something that advice you're giving in hindsight so much as uh, uh, I think something that you, uh, you're reaping the benefit of uh, 18 months later. Yes, and I would agree with you that it is, it is key to the success of any marketing transformation to have to have the leadership support. And if you do not, then it's, uh, it is a big struggle. Yeah. I mean, marketing can often struggle to get executive leadership at the best of times, uh, um, uh, just, you know, for the day to day, let alone, um, trying to navigate a significant right. transformation without it. That would be yeah. a, a death blow. Yeah. Kelly, this has been a, a great chat. I, I really thank you for taking us through this transformation and kind of, I guess in some ways opening the covers a bit and showing us, uh, as it's, as it's going, you know, yeah. uh, I will be really excited to catch up with you in, uh, in a year or two and, uh, and see how, uh, how we progressed. I look forward to that. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate you guys inviting me. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the cooler ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff white. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.